Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 50th episode of VisionCon Live, your go-to nerdy talk show. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, but you didn't come here to see me today. You can't see the woman of the hour. She's Rosalina from the Super Mario franchise, Noelle from Genshin Impact, Kana from Fire Emblem Fates, just to name a few. It takes a true star to play Nintendo's very own Princess of the Stars. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one, the only, Laura Fay. Laura, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. Oh, wonderful. How are you? <laughs> I got to be honest, I am freezing in here. I mentioned to you briefly that uh, I'm originally from California. Uh, moved here when I was about ooh, 12 or 13 uh, into the Midwest, obviously. And I would think that by now I'd be used to the weather, but I'm really not. It's like one day it is blazing hot, and then the next day my hair's freezing over because I showered. <laughs> I showered too quickly before I left, and you know, it's 20 degrees outside. Yeah. Well, I moved to LA from the Pacific Northwest, so I'm still getting over the fact that I don't need a coat right now, that it's January and it was 70 degrees today. Okay, so we did the inverse. All right. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we get started, guys, I did just want to take a moment to say thank you guys so much for supporting this show for 50 episodes. We have a ton more planned, so don't worry. This isn't any a finale or anything, but from the bottom of my heart, and I speak for everybody at VisionCon, thank you. And with that, I want to go ahead and get started with our first question. Now, Laura, you are a titan in the industry. There's so many popular series that you are a part of. But what I wanted to start us off with is how did we get here? Was showbiz always the plan? Or did something happen later in life that kind of brought you here? You know, showbiz was like an early love, but it wasn't the plan. Like I, because I grew up in... Oregon, in Salem, Oregon, not Portland, Oregon, Salem, Oregon, where there's even less of an industry. Um, and it didn't seem possible. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know anybody who was an actor. I didn't even, I for sure didn't know anyone who was like a professional, famous actor, but I knew, didn't even know people who were like working actors. Like, I just didn't know that that was a thing. It seemed like something that was going to be a hobby. So I actually started doing theater when I was in high school. My sister was doing it. So I got, I remember thinking it was weird at first. I was like, this is so weird. The drama people are so weird. And then I um, ended up auditioning for a show and getting cast. And I was like, this is all I want to do. Like I, it was instant love. Like I still remember the first show I did, the first line I said, what I was wearing. Like I, like that's just like a crystal clear memory because I remember in that moment being like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. Um, but then denied it for like a really long time because it seemed like, how, how are you going to make money? And certainly my family was like, how are you going to make money? Like, don't like live with us forever if this is what you're going to do. So um, I moved, you know, after college, I majored in English and theater in college. Like I snuck a theater major in because my parents were like, we are not going to pay for your education if you major in theater because that's not a good degree. It's not going to ever get you work. Um, because again, they didn't know anyone who did this uh, professionally. So um, I then moved to Portland and I was like working in the corporate world and um, doing theater on the side. And then that just like slowly kind of started to take over. And then at a certain point, I'd like made the transition into being a full-time actor and got agents and got work. And then three years ago, I decided to move to LA and um, have been doing that here. And this is like a whole different ballgame here. I mean, like Portland has a great industry, but then it's a lot bigger here, but there's also a lot more work. Mm. So wasn't the plan, but it was just always kind of there. And then at some point it became my main thing. 
So Portland versus California, especially LA, is the competitiveness of the industry a little bit more intense in California, or is it just a kind of a different beast uh, depending on if you're in Portland or California? That's such a great question because, and I, I was just recently talking to someone else about this, but that there's, because there's less opportunities in Portland, sometimes the competition actually can feel worse. There are less people, but there are also less opportunities. So if you don't get that job, you're like, well, when's the next one coming? You know, like when, when is my next audition? Because, you know, if I did like three or four auditions in a month, I felt like I was having a great month. I'm talking mostly about like on camera for that because voiceover tends to be pretty steady. But then I moved here and, you know, I recorded three auditions this morning, just today, you know, of, of things that I'm putting myself on tape for. So that was just like in a week, I'll have tremendously more auditions here. But then are there more people competing against you? Yes, but then there's also more work. So six and one half dozen of the other in some ways, you know, because like less jobs, but less people to compete with versus more jobs and more people to compete with. In a way, it bounces out, but I do feel like there's much more opportunity here. Like, it's, I find it easier to make a living as an actor here, for sure, just because there's more jobs to audition for. But so, so for the most part, your background had been, up to this point, theater, on camera. So then how did we go from there all the way to being one of the titular characters of arguably the most famous video game franchise of all time, and one that definitely was the godfather of modern gaming. That, of course, is Mario. Right. Well, you know, I mean, luck, I guess, <laughs> in that, because the, the fact that um, the Super Mario games are done in Seattle, and I was living in Portland, and a lot of casting for Seattle and Portland, like, they share a lot of casting. Like, people will, you know, do, like, for instance, um, Jen Taylor, who is like the original Princess Peach and Toad and Cortana, she and I did a play together long before, like a play that was from Seattle. Like we did a production of Pride and Prejudice. And uh, okay. yeah, she played Elizabeth and I was Mary. And like, it was a production that happened in Portland at Portland Center Stage. And that was before I was even doing Nintendo. Like I, I met her, but she already had a really established video game career. But Nintendo was done in Seattle. And so my agent in both ears in Portland sent me the audition for the for Rosalina, um, and that's how that happened. You know, that like that just was like even if I was living in LA, I probably would have had less of a shot at it. Isn't that weird how you think about that? Going, here's this really huge game, but I had a better shot at it probably living in Portland than if I were living here. Well, before we get started and kind of dissect some of these characters, guys, I see that a lot of you are already messaging in the live chat your viewers' comments and questions. Perfect, you guys have plenty of time to do so and we will get to you guys' viewers' comments and questions at the end. You also, if you're watching this live on Facebook, you can also message VisionCon directly if you'd like to do it that way as well. But with that said, guys, we're gonna dive in with the first character. We're gonna kinda dissect a little. Now we would be remiss if we didn't talk about her. She's one of the newer characters in the Mario franchise, but definitely one of the most beloved. That, of course, is the one, the only, Princess Rosalita. Now, before we dive a little bit into it, give, just give us a brief overview about Rosalina. Maybe you kind of already told us how you got the role, but were there any funny or fun anecdotes involved with just playing the character in general? Well, the, I've told this story before, actually, but so I'm not the first Rosalina. I think most people know that I'm third. So there were two other people who did it before me. And so I don't, they don't tell you like why they're like, you know, looking for some a new voice actor for that. So I have no idea 
how that part came about. But when I was sent the initial audition through my agent that I just recorded by myself at home, they said, we basically, we want you to um, kind of try to voice match the previous actor and then put your own spin on it. So I think I did like two takes and sent that in. And then they wanted to do what's called a directed audition. And I was like, okay, so I go into, they were in Seattle probably. And then I was in Portland. It was just like me and a sound engineer in this recording studio. And they said, okay, we want you to, they, they had me do the same thing, try to voice match her, then put your own spin on it. So I did that again. And then they said, um, okay, and now we want you to do it as a cat. Cause this is right before Super Mario 3D World, yeah. but I hadn't seen the game. So I was like, uh, cat <laughs> what do you wait yeah you know just just do it do it like a cat but there were no like lines or anything so i'm just in the booth and there's no one to like in a normal recording session when you're in the same place and in the same city i could look through the window and like see the client and kind of see how they were reacting but it's just this engineer's like reading a magazine and not paying attention at all and then me by myself so i'm like Rear! and i'm like doing all these like cat noises but just kind of random and i'm like looking over the you know other pieces of the script that I have and trying to kind of be like, oh, here's a cat sliding down a wall. Let me try and do what that sounds like. And then, and I'm going on and on and nobody's coming on and telling me to stop. So I kind of just go for a while until I run out and then I just quiet and then I don't say anything. And then they come back on and I can hear them all laughing and they're like, <laughs> and they go, okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, goodbye, thank you. And that was it. And I thought, oh my God, I either just completely ruined that and made a fool out of myself or maybe that went well and they were amused. I don't know. And I walked out and I said to the engineer, I'm like, how do you think that went? And he was like, oh, I wasn't listening. And so then I just <laughs> went away um, and had no idea what to think about that. That's one of those things that you roll over in your mind after an audition where you kind of go, I don't know. I have no idea how that went. And then I got a call a few days later that I booked it. So thankfully the latter happened. That's how that came about. Yeah. So. Well, and Rosalina, while definitely beloved, is one of the newer characters and now you joined on in about 2013 and so when you found out that you got the part and were going to play this character henceforth was there ever a point of uh, either unique pressure or just you know knowing that you needed to perform based on the fact that again she was a character that is part of one of the most famous franchises of all time I, you know, I mean, because I was a Mario fan, like before I did this for sure, like I, you know, played the games. Um, but I feel like the pressure probably was more on the, you know, the first person to do it just because it's like, you know, you're bringing in this new character, but because she was already established by the time I did it, like she was already around and had been in previous games. I didn't feel this sense of like, is this a character that I'm going to do and I'm going to do it so bad that then they'll like be like, oh, we're going to drop, we're going to kill this character off. Or, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't feel that level of pressure. She was already there and had been established and people liked it. So, I mean, pressure, pressure, I guess, to, you know, do a good job because yeah, it's a good, it's a game that people love and you don't want to do that. But at the same time, you know, there's, I, it's not like I go home and record this and then I send it in and it gets launched. Like there is a director there. Like there's a lot of, quality control over over what you're doing like if you're doing something that they don't like they're not going to like yeah it's not going to end up in the game like there's there's people who are protecting the quality of the game 
Well, and the thing about it, and I mentioned this when we had Kenny James and Samantha Kelly, Bowser and Peach respectively, on the show, is that the baffling thing about your guys' performances is, you know, the characters from Mario uh, aren't exactly known for their long dialogues and kind right. of these big winded monologues. Uh, so I did want to ask, when going into a recording session, how do you so effectively convey emotions and things that these characters are trying to say while, while often just using maybe one or two words of English and just maybe some inaudible noises? You know, it's, uh, it, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's particularly hard, you know, I mean, it's, it, because they're, the gameplay is so active, you know, the things that you're actually, that they're doing where they're like racing cars and, <laughs> you know, jumping over things and stuff. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think it was like probably the trickiest, the first time I did it um, and recorded and for Super Mario 3D World, like the game was not completely done. Like when I first went in and recorded for that, it was kind of more of a, like a <laughs> mock-up of it, you know, like it didn't have, it didn't look like Rosalina, it was it looked like, a, you saw a little figure moving, so they would kind of, it was more like a demo and oh. they would play that and then they would say, okay, she runs here and then she, you know, jumps over this thing and like it kind of coming up with like, what those things would sound like. Um, so it was actually just really fun and really creative, you know, at that point, because I was trying things out and they'd be like, okay, yeah, keep the first part of that, but now let's try something else. Can you make it like when she lands, is it like a harder sound? And I had not done a lot of video games at the point when I did Rosalina, she was one of the first. So, you know, taking what they call taking damage, you know, where they go, okay, this is light damage where you'd like just bump into a wall where you're like, <laughs> in that small and then big damage where you're dying or you're falling in hot lava or stuff like that, like, like figuring out how to do that. But in the end, it's all acting, you know, it's, it's an acting gig. Mm -hmm. um, so because I had years of training as an actor, that felt like second nature to it. Like when people ask a lot, like I want to get into video game work, I'm like, take acting classes because you need to portray people who are in dire, stressful situations and, you know, are, are having intense things happen to them. So that will help you more than anything. And sometimes sound like a cat. And sometimes sound like a cat. Yeah, like like how do you do that? And and for sure there's like roles in children's theater where you go around meowing for a whole show or something, or you know, maybe sometimes get a song in the mix. And I've done plenty of that, so. Well, jumping ship to a more kind of action oriented and, you know, dare I say maybe a bit of an older audience focus, I wanna talk about my newest obsession Genshin Impact, and more specifically, I wanted to talk about everybody's favorite maid, Noelle. All right, so again, before we kind of dive deeper, just give us a brief overview about Noelle, maybe how you got the role, any funny anecdotes, anything at all. Uh, Noelle, she's great. She's a tanky maid. <laughs> she's like, you, I think, you know, it's interesting if you look on like Twitter and people talking about Noelle, um, there's a mix of people being like, she's, you know, we don't feel like she can do what she can do when people be like, no, you got to build her out just right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, she can be a pretty powerful character. She's like got a big claymore and, um, you know, but then she's also like, she wants to be a knight of Favonius so badly and, you know, is trying to train for that. Um, the way I got that role was actually, I took a workshop from the, the director and at the end of the um, the workshop he had like given out his email to everyone in the workshop and said you know feel free to stay in touch so i stayed in touch with him for like a year i had really liked him in the workshop i thought god he's a great director he'd be really great to work with so i sent him my demos and 
just every now and then we'd kind of check in and be like, hey, you know, I took this workshop from you. If you ever have anything that you think I might be a fit for, you know, um, I'd love to audition. And then he sent me um, an, an audition for Genshin Impact, but it wasn't for Noelle. It was from a, a completely different character. And then I found out that I booked it. And then when I went into the recording session, it said Noelle. And I was like, I don't know who <laughs> it is. Like, I, like, I didn't, I mean, I was like, oh, uh, I said, does she sound the same? as the other character I auditioned for. And they're like, no worries, we'll, you know, we'll talk you through this. And so the whole first part of the first recording session for Noelle was just kind of finding what her voice should be, you know, like um, me reading different lines and them kind of tweaking it. And, you know, it was that director and then people from Mihoyo in China, you know, like, I mean, it was all of us kind of working together to figure out what she should sound like, so. That's how that one came about. That Claymore, too. When I recently <laughs> unlocked her, uh, granted, recently, it's been a few weeks now, but like, I did not expect her to whip out that Claymore when I first Yeah, I know. She's, she's powerful, man. I've been, I haven't unlocked her myself. Like, I'm super <laughs> slow. Well, I've been really busy. And, and Genshin Impact sure. is not a game that you can, like, it's not like playing Mario Kart where you go on and you, you know, can do a race in a couple minutes. It's like you are exploring this world. I mean, it took me, and I was playing it on my phone, so I kept, like, ending up in the water and like trying, you know what I mean? It's just, I think it's, because what are you playing on? I'm playing on my PS4. On your PS4, yeah. So I, I think it's probably a lot easier on that than on an oh. iPhone. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I was struggling with just trying to like follow a path for a while, so. Waiting for them to release it on the Switch. But you know, until then, doing the PS4. But like the game is amazing. It, it's beautiful, isn't it? The, yeah, the it's graphics. beautiful. It perfectly balances uh, the kind of big combat, you know, the JRPGs are commonly known for, especially in this open world setting. But also it has such a narrative focus as well. And somehow has found a way to perfectly balance them. But with it being a narrative focused game that also has a ton of combat, I got to assume for being one of the voices of a character, that's gotta put some strain on your voice, especially, you know, cause you have to talk a bunch and then also make all these fighting noises as well. So when going into a recording session for Noel or really any character that you may know beforehand, it's gonna be probably a little bit more intense than others. Is there anything that you do to kind of maybe prepare your voice, anything you do during to kind of, you know, level off your stamina and then maybe afterwards, anything you do at all to kind of recover your voice? I mean, for sure, I would never go to a voiceover session if I was doing like a commercial or a video game without warming my voice up like that. I always in, in the car, I'm like, you know, doing vocal warm ups, which I always wonder when people are sitting next to me in traffic and they're seeing me just like doing all this stuff to like work my own, like they probably think I'm insane. But um, <laughs> yes, I always warm up my voice. And then what they do typically for all that, the combat damage type sounds is they do them at the end which is great. So if you have a bunch of lines, like you've done all those, and then you do all that stuff, like all the fighting type sounds at the end where you're screaming and dying and, you know, doing stuff that's like harder on your throat. Um, so that, that makes it pretty easy, you know what I mean? But that, that is true for almost everything. You know, a, a game like um, the Super Mario games, like so much of that is mostly combat type sounds. Um, but they're not as harsh as a game like Genshin Impact, you know, where they're the really warlike stuff tends to come up in those those kind of games as opposed to Mario, where you're, you know, the damage might be, oh, 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 it's it's just easier mm -hmm. on your voice. Sure. Well, we are about at the halfway point, guys. So I did oh, want to reiterate okay. something, right? Well, I wanted yeah. to reiterate a point real quick that plenty of you have already messaged VisionCon directly 
or put your viewers' comments and questions in the live chat. You still have time to do so, but I just wanted to make sure you guys know you still have some time. So jumping ship from some of the characters, I wanted to say, Laura, that a lot of people that watch the show, we've noticed, obviously are here for the wonderful guests that we have, one of which is sitting right before me. But another reason that they watch the show is because they either want to get in the entertainment industry or already are and just want to know where to go next. For, so for someone as successful as you, I want you to keep that in mind with the next two questions. The first one being about rejection. So like I always say, guys, rejection is a huge part of life, no matter how you kind of look at it. However, if there was ever an industry that rejection is probably most prevalent, it would definitely be your industry, which is, of course, the entertainment industry. So for the folks watching at home that either want to get in the entertainment industry or already are and just want to know where to go next, how would you advise them to deal with rejection when it inevitably comes? Does it get any easier? Or if it doesn't, are there any coping mechanisms that you've learned throughout the years that you give them when, again, rejection eventually happens? There, oh, I mean, that's such a great question, and it, it, it's so <laughs> relevant. And yes, I have tons of experience with it. You hear this all the time where people say, you, you don't really know why you don't get a role a lot of times, so don't personalize it. Don't go, well, this means I'm a terrible actor. Because I can say I've been on the other side of casting as well, especially in like theater and stuff. And we've had two or three people come in and read for a role and all three were fantastic. And you were like, I could happily cast any one of these people. One person, for whatever reason, might be a better fit with other people that you've cast, like so they work better in the mix. Like, or you know, just, just tiny little things. Like sometimes you're really splitting hairs and it's not like, oh, that other person wasn't good. Like you struggled with that. Like you turned it over in your mind and you played it out both ways with each person and what they kind of uniquely could bring. And then you finally just pick a direction because you, you have to, you have to pick someone at some point. Um, keeping in mind that you, you just don't know all the pieces of the puzzle, like a lot of that it's not like, cause you weren't good. Sometimes it's because you just, there was some other weird random thing that was in there that pushed you out of the running and pushed someone else forward. Um, another thing to think about is, is you're running your own race, like not comparing yourself. Like that's can be really hard to do where you're like assuming because you see someone else working that they work all the time. Like, Oh, because I, you know, done a couple of characters that people know about that. You're not counting all the hundreds of auditions at thousands, probably at this point that I have not gotten that I auditioned for that. I might've felt great about those auditions that I thought I did a really good job and for whatever reason didn't get. So don't look at someone's success and then say, oh, that means they book stuff all the time because trust me, there's just tons of things that they don't get. Um, and then the other one is, is like continuing to try to have fun with it. Like if, if it stops feeling fun, then you either need to go do some work on to, to make it more fun for yourself to like find out what the types of things you want to do to work on in your auditions that are coming up or consider not doing it anymore. If it like, if it really is just crushing you, like if you're just in a place where that feels so bad, step away from it for a while and go do something else and come back for the original reasons you probably were doing it, which would you thought it was fun. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, there's, there's times where it's a drag, you know, you're auditioning for things, you're not getting cast. Um, but then I always have to come back to, this is what I love doing and that's why I do it. And then letting them go. Like once I've done them, if I feel like I've done my best, I let it go. Like I don't sit there and pour over and be like, oh, you know, if, if I didn't think that first, like this happens to me all the time, I will record something in the morning. Like I'll get an audition early in the day and I'll record it. And then I'll wait till that night to edit it unless it's due right away. And then you have to just deal with it. But some, if it's not due till the next day, I'll like wait till that evening to like listen to it again. And if I listen to it and I'm like, 
I have a different idea for that now, or like, that was not my best work, or I sound rushed or whatever's going on. Go back and do it over again. And then when you are finally satisfied with it, put it out into the world. And, and if you've done that and you felt like that was the best I had to give it, it's out of your hands at that point, let it go. And, and you know, it's not yours sometimes. Sometimes it's somebody else's turn and that's okay. Well, previous guests have said before, when I asked that question, it's not about you. It's not that, that you weren't good. It's that somebody else did what they were really looking for. Do you find that's kind of the, the, kind of the case? Yes. And sometimes they don't know what they're looking for. I think it's really true that sometimes people who cast this stuff get surprised, you know, like they, like you'll read the specs on, on auditions and, and be like, you'll do it towards those specs. Like, I think people know what that means, but the specs will be like, we want someone who sounds like they're in this age range and they, or they have maybe a dialect or they don't, or they have like a really deep gravelly voice or a really high voice or whatever. They'll, they'll, those are the specs. So sometimes you'll, you'll do it according to that. Um, and then you hear what they cast and it's not that at all. And you, you think, what? Like that has the antithesis of what they said, but someone probably came in and did what they did and it charmed them and enchanted them. And they went, that's it. Like, I can't see it any other way now. So that's why I think it's okay. Like a lot of times doing two takes, like doing it according to specs and then just doing something that you think is interesting. And I've done that. And then I'll come into an audition to a recording session and say, so I sent you two takes, which one was it? you know, that you, which, which direction did you want? And there'll be this more random one. They're like, oh, we really like all this stuff that you did where you were ad-libbing and you were doing all these things. So I think, you know, go ahead and do it according to what they're saying they want, but then don't be afraid to surprise them with something that's really uniquely you because that's that thing no one else is going to have is that thing that you thought was a really interesting, funny idea. Oh, that's, that's very interesting. Kind of taking a daring take to it. People do it all the time. And I actually took a workshop from a guy who was casting for Disney. And he, he was like, I, well, I asked him about that. I go, so what about like ad-libbing and things like that? And he goes, well, make sure that you're good. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that's subjective. But that was his advice. He goes, well, you know, if you're going to ad-lib on something, make sure it's funny. If you're going to throw those things in, don't be just throwing in lines that aren't funny if you're trying to be funny with it. So that's the first thing, kind of have some sense of that, that, that what you do works. Um, but then he was like, yeah, like sometimes, and he goes in like animators sometimes really love, they said, if, if you're doing, if you're dubbing on something that's already created, stick to the script. But then if you're doing something that hasn't been created, adding a lot of stuff in can be really fun. Like, so like lots of um, noises, you know, like nonverbals where you're like, like <laughs> in like kind of that kind of stuff in and with the line, they say, Animators sometimes get very inspired by artists that are doing that. They'll be like, oh, oh yeah, she could choke here. And you know, like, and that's an interesting thing. And knowing Did, that question? Did I answer the question? Oh, I feel like I'm on a tangent. No, you knocked it out of the park. Okay. No, but uh, no, I was just gonna say, knowing our luck, uh, Facebook will choose the thumbnail for this Facebook Live to be the face you just made. Always, I'm telling you, it will always choose something. Well, my next question is actually that I had planned to ask you. Actually, uh, Che Walker in the chat also just asked. So Che, I'm going to go ahead and give you the credit for this question, where uh, Che came in and said, what advice would you give everyone who wants to be an actor or a voice actor? So I'm going to kind of elaborate to the question I was going to ask, uh, which is for the folks watching at home, again, that are either wanting to get into the entertainment industry or already are and just want to know what to go do next, what general advice would you give them? Maybe advice that you wish you had maybe when you first started out. I mean, th this is probably advice you hear a lot because it's true. Voice acting is acting. So 
take acting training. That's if like, if you're young and you're starting out, you better get some acting training. Like that's going to be one of the most helpful things to you is that you know how to express emotion. It's because they can't see you. So they've got to hear it. But, um, you know, I, when I'm standing in a session, I'm not like standing perfectly stock still and like doing a weird voice. Like I'm using my hands and talking and moving around a lot. And that is, that's going to be the other thing Facebook picks is me doing that. Um, <laughs> That, they're, that, that, that voice acting is just acting. So for sure, take acting training. Um, and then in terms of getting into it, living in a market where there actually is a market for it, it will be actually very helpful for you in terms of being able to get representation. Like you don't have to have representation, but it is harder to get the kinds of auditions you probably wanna get without that. So living in a market where you know you, you, can, you can start. And, and that's actually, I'm going to contradict myself here because I started in a small market and what made it easier to get an agent was the fact that there wasn't a lot of competition for agents. Like, you know, that I got an agent when, when I started in the industry, everybody wasn't recording from home. Like you still went in and recorded, you auditioned at your agent's office very, very shortly after I signed with them. Suddenly everyone started needing to get a mic at home. And I remember it's like, I just started, I'm like, what now I've got to figure all this tech out. Um, but that changed things in a lot of ways because suddenly people could do this from home and you could pitch yourself and you could self-submit on things. And there were sites suddenly like Voices123 and all these types of things where you could pursue this without an agent. Um, and if you can figure out how to do that, great. And then getting an agent will obviously get you in on bigger, better paying gigs. Um, more, you know, like, like Nintendo is not going to like put that up on Voices123. You're not going to see it on Craigslist or something like that. That's going to go through an agency. Those types of jobs will go through agencies typically. But like the Genshin Impact thing where I auditioned, that was not through my agent. Like I, I pulled my agent into it, but I got that audition by taking a workshop and then forming, you know, a connection to that person and just being like, hey, I'm here. I'd love to audition for you. And I pursued that myself. And that would have been harder for me to do living in a smaller market because I wouldn't have taken a workshop with someone who's doing that level of casting, if that makes sense. So moving to living in a place where you're going to have opportunity is going to be really helpful to you. Um, and uh, actually like doing something like this, like where you are listening to people who are in the industry, talk about the industry, take all that. Like, I mean, don't just listen to mine, like listen to everybody's because you're going to start to see, I mean, Zach, you probably see this all the time, the threads of truth that run through things, right? The things that everybody says, those things are probably true. And then you'll hear things that individuals say, which might be for their specific case, or it's just a really interesting piece of advice. And you start pulling all that. I watch interviews with people I admire all the time. If I admire someone's work, I start watching interviews with them. I'll like start looking them up and trying to figure out like, what did they do? How did they get there? I love reading people's autobiographies um, because there's, there are certain things that people say over and over and then you're like, okay, that's probably true. And then other pieces that are unique where you're like, that was that person's like, it's so great to have a dad who's a director. And you're like, isn't that, that would be great. <laughs> Mine was not. Um, and, and then, or sometimes someone will say something really, that really just resonates with you. And you're like, that makes total sense to me. I'm going to try that. Well, so, all the previous episodes, like again, this is episode 50, you're right, you guys have said a lot of the similar things and a lot of the great advice that people really should take to heart. Uh, the only one that was uh, kind of stuck out with me is um, episode, oh, I want to say 46 with Christopher Patton. He uh, gave us a bunch of uh, unemployment and tax-related information, about <laughs> being an actor, which I thought was very interesting, but there hasn't, and I know I'm going to say this, and then probably next episode it's going to happen. Nobody has just said, uh, to answer that question, follow your dreams, which right. 
I'm happy because obviously, yes, you should do that, but that's not very practical information. I mean, I worked in the corporate world and the nonprofit. I mean, I've had, and in Portland, it was very hard to be a full-time working actor. I did do it for a while, but it's, it's tough. You know, I mean, there isn't as much work there. And a lot of that was theater and I was equity. So, you know, doing non-union work in theater versus equity work. And I mean, that's a completely different paycheck, you know, where you're getting like paid once at the end for a non-union job, where you're getting paid every week when you're in a union job, you can actually pay your bills at that point. But if you're not able to do that, you know, yeah, you have to go do other things. And I don't even think that's a bad thing because it was interesting. There was a, um, this woman who was the associate artistic director at Portland Center Stage. I remember I was teaching an audition class to teens and she was on the panel. So they all had to do their auditions in front of this like board of directors. Wow. And one of the people, it was, it was a great experience for them because they were getting like this really great feedback from someone who was very high up in a theater. That's like one of the more respected theaters in the state. And she said, you know, she goes, you don't have to just do acting. In fact, sometimes people who just do that can be a little singular and people who have done a lot of different things that all adds to who you are as an actor, you know, like that. I don't regret the time that I spent, you know, doing non-acting type things and crummy jobs that I've had because you, you're just like your people watching just as off the charts and the things that you kind of just learn and come to understand as an actor, because you've had those experiences, you, you've got to live. You can't just be like, I'm going to go to like an Ivy League acting school and just be in classes for years. And then I'm going to come out and I'm going to have all this life experience. It's like, well, that's that, like you, you have life experience from living and that's from, you know, working crappy jobs and getting your heart broken and struggling and like those types of things build you and expose you to things that I think only help if you want to be in a discipline like acting or writing or things where you're, you're trying to portray life. Yeah. Well, long -winded. So much Che for that amazing question. But uh, so moving ship guys, if you haven't already, now is your last chance to either message VisionCon directly or put in the live chat your viewers' comments and questions because ladies and gentlemen, we're in the plug zone. Laura Fay, now is your opportunity to plug, promote, advertise, whatever verb you wanna use, anything you want, the floor is yours. Oh, gosh, uh, I don't know what to plug. I don't have a lot of pluggy stuff. I, I mean, things that if you are interested in seeing some stuff I'm working on, if you follow my Instagram, a lot of times I'll announce stuff there. Um, I, Trying to think of anything that's coming. See, because of COVID, <laughs> like a lot of stuff hasn't been happening lately. So uh, there's there is a an audio drama I do called The Sojourn, um, and that tends to have episodes come out on a pretty regular basis. You can find that wherever you find um, podcasts to download. I know it's on a bunch of different platforms. That's something you can listen to. Um, trying to think of anything else right now other than the stuff that you know about I'm, I'm not a big plugger i guess I'm, I'm not i'm not doing anything here in la right now because there's no real performance happening well i've got a bunch of links in the live chat if you guys want to take a look at that if you're watching this live on facebook or if you're watching this later on youtube or listening to this later on spotify it's gonna be down there in the description box below guys and with that we're going out of the plug zone going right into our final segment viewers comments and questions so real quick i'll do it like i usually do take some from the messenger and some from the live chat so give me a sec to sort all that out okay so cameron jones tuned in and said what is your favorite mario game that rosalina appeared in 
I'm probably, I probably have to go with Super Mario 3D World just because it was the first one that I did, you know, like that, that for me was like, I have a special affinity for that. And you know, she turns into a cat. So there's that. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm going to probably butcher your name and I am so sorry in advance. Uh, Charbel, Charbel, something like that, uh, tuned in and said, what do you think Rosalina's own game would be about? Rosalina's what? Uh, I, I am pretty sure uh, he slash she slash they is saying, if Rosalina had her own game, what do you think would be kind of a fun little, uh, I don't know, a story? Or like maybe uh, what type of game, I suppose? Type of game? Something involving stars? Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe... Yeah, maybe maybe some, some kind of an adventure around traveling to different stars and conquering things on those different places and collecting them with a bunch of Lumas. <laughs> Probably not a first person shooter, Char. No. <laughs> All right, so let me scroll up real quick. Okay, so Aaron just tuned in and said, just have to stay on target, do your best, be yourself, and just like the lyrics in a white zombie song, uh, I don't try anything, I just do it. I think he was referring to uh, the positive affirmations we were talking oh. about. <laughs> uh, da, da, da. Okay. Uh, beside, okay, besides Jen Taylor, uh, Daniel tuned in and asked this, besides Jen Taylor, have you met any other Mario actors? Well, I know um, Mercedes Rose, who was the first Rosalina, because we were both with the same agency in Portland, and I've met Carrie, who was the second one. Um... You know who I've been working on this project, The Sojourn, with is Ben Benjamin Prend Prendergast. That's how you say his name. He's fused in this game that just came out. So um, he, he and I worked on that together. And he was also doing some stuff with, I think, one of the Star Wars things. Um, but he's a great guy here in LA. Um, trying to think. Because we don't all record together for the Mario games. Like, I know for some things, people all, like, record in the same room at the same time or, you know, and try to do some kind of an electronic thing like that. But, um, no, I haven't met a ton of other characters. And, and again, you know, when I would go to do Rosalina, I would just go do my sessions on my own. So, but, yes, Jen is, Jen is one of the main people I know. <laughs> well, uh, Rose tuned in and asked, hey, Rosalina, I think she's referring to you. Uh, what is your favorite commercial you've actually been a part of? A commercial? Yeah. Oh. I'm trying to think. There's been a lot of different ones. Um, there's these, well, you, you can see them actually if they're on my website. There are these HP ones that I did. Um, no, sorry, Intel, Intel Love It. Um, and those were actually, they were written by some people that I knew in town who were very funny writers. And we did this kind of sequence of them. Um, and it was for this Intel Love It product, but just working with really funny actors on that who were like improvising a lot. Like the, the scripts on that were very funny. Like they would make me laugh. And then the way that they actually produced it, I thought were, was very charming as well. So Ryan tuned in and said, what is your favorite character in Genshin Impact besides Noelle? Well, keep in mind, I have not played enough of Genshin. Like, I haven't earned enough characters myself. Like, I think I only literally have Amber right now. Oh. Uh, that's, that's how new into it I am. Um, in terms, though, of characters that, like, that I've been introduced to that seem kind of cool, um, 
I see, I don't know what their capabilities are for fighting. I've just like kind of met them in the gameplay where they come up and they introduce themselves. Like there was this scene in a study where I like got introduced to a bunch of them. Uh, Jean seems cool. I mean, Jean seems like, a, do you have her already? I haven't. You haven't? She's like, she's, Jean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the right person, blonde. She's kind of the acting. Ooh, ooh I think I'm, I might do. Yeah. So she's, she seems like a cool character in the light. I'm, I'm not remembering the name of it, but she's the librarian one. Um, I'm forgetting the name. Again, I've just started playing it, so. I unlocked a bunch recently because I got a pay raise recently, not to get too much behind the scenes. And so I was like, you know, I could invest this money responsibly, but instead I was just like, Genshin Impact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got time for two more questions, guys. Uh, the next one's gonna be from Sarah who said, besides voice acting, do you have any hobbies that you enjoy? I love to hike. Um, I hike a lot. That's a lot of that in LA and the weather is really great. So I like to do that. Um, I'm a big reader. I read a ton when I have time. Uh, I love stand-up paddling. I love baking. I'm actually a really good baker um, because I like to eat. <laughs> so I make a lot of dessert. <laughs> And when, you know, when, when I was able to, like, I'm really big into going to see movies and going to see plays. And that's always been like a favorite hobby is, is film, film and theater. Yeah. All right. And then the last one that we do is going to be from Karen, who said, hi, Laura, I just wanted to know, besides voice acting, what are some of your least favorite things about the industry? These favorite things about the industry. I'm gonna assume she means maybe, uh, let, let, let's assume she means, are there any drawbacks to being a famous actor? Well, I'm not famous. <laughs> like I can walk down the street and nobody knows who I am. So I don't know the experience of like being someone like, you know, Jennifer Aniston who like walks down the street and I'm sure gets hassled. So I would say, I'd say that like, like something you, you will hear people talk about a lot is, you know, it's, it's, you don't know where your next thing is coming from. So it's a constant hustle. Um, and so the, there is a drawback in that it's not stable. Like, you know, if you have like a regular office job or something, you know, when your next job is coming from, I guess that's a drawback. Sometimes, sometimes there, you can, it depends on who you're hanging out with. Like, I think if you hang out with people who are super insecure themselves and then kind of want to bring that to you as well. Like that can feed off each other. I've seen people get unhappy, but I think it's because they're just like, there's, there's so many great people in this industry who aren't like that, who you can go and hang out with them and talk about things other than acting um, and have a great time. And then there are people sometimes who are maybe in it too and really competitive and really insecure and comparing themselves. And those types of relationships I think can be hard on people, especially when you're young, like when you don't feel real stable yourself in terms of confidence in who you are and what you're bringing in the, to the table and what you can do. I think those things can be, can be drawbacks and tricky. And, and then there's lots of people out there who aren't, you know, they, anyone can tell you like, I can make a movie and I'm professional. And sometimes then you go work with them and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is uh, not what I'm used to working with. Um, so I guess pe people maybe who are, you, you, you do have to have a certain level of street smarts to be in this business in terms of sussing out who you should trust. Like whose advice should I be really listening to? Should I continue working with these people if I'm not having a good time doing it or I feel like it's kind of a weird situation? Um, there is that element there, but 
that's, that's true in a lot of other industries too. Like there's, there's people that you could work with in the corporate world who aren't good people to work with, or, you know, you could be delivering mail for a really crummy post office. So if you're working with people that you don't like, go do something else, like find something else to do. You, there's nothing that says you have to stay in it just because you started. Oh, I mean, that makes sense. What doesn't make sense, though, was that comment you just said about you not being famous, because respectively, <laughs> myself and the hundreds of people watching right now would respectfully disagree. Well, there's, there's like groups of people who like, but I mean, for sure, like if, I, like if I were talking, there's certain people I could talk to and they'd say, well, as soon as you say you're an actor, people are like, well, what have you done? And then you go, oh, well, I mean, <laughs> like, what do you watch? Like, what do you, what kind of entertainment do you watch? There's plenty of things I could list that I've done where people are like, I've never heard of that. I've never seen you. If they don't play video games, they're going to be like, have you been on any TV? It's like, yes. Which TV? Okay. Well, which shows do you watch? Do you want to list off the shows that you watch and have me tell you whether I've been in them or not? Because to them, they have no idea. Man, it just turns into an interrogation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's about all the time we got. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for tuning in for VisionCon Live episode 50. Before we wrap things up though, Laura, are there any final thoughts you'd like to leave us on? Any words of wisdom, anything at all? Follow your dreams. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> no, I mean, thanks for, thanks for tuning in for this. It's, it's great to know that people enjoy these games. I have a great time doing them. Um, if you know and for people certainly who are asking about like you know should i pursue this and how to pursue this if you if you love it give it a go give it a try and i think one of the best times to try it is when you are young um you know like to, to get in and see if you actually like doing it and if you you do that and you try and do other things and nothing thrills you as much as that then yeah this maybe this is something you should pursue and if you find something else you love more and you want to do this on the side that's a great combination as well or if you're like you know what i just like being an audience member to it we need that so that's all, all there's, there's a place for everyone in that. Oh, the place for everyone. I love that. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 50 of VisionCon Live. Before we sign off, I did just want to reiterate one more time. Thank you so much. The show got way bigger than either I, the board of directors of VisionCon, and really I think anyone ever expected it to. We originally thought it was going to be about 10 episodes or so. We're on episode 50 with a lot more that hasn't even been announced yet. So from the bottom of my heart, and I and everybody else at VisionCon just wanted to tell you all, thank you. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 50 of VisionCon Live. Thank you so much for watching. I, of course, am your host, Zach Wilson, but much more importantly, this has been my very special guest, Laura Fay. Make sure to check out all the links down in the description box below, guys. And until next time, always remember that life's better when you have friends to share it with.